0: All right, let's see if we've gotten any feedback on the answering machine.
1: You have reached the Sacred Cows podcast. Answering machine. Please leave a message after the Wilhelm scream.
2: Hi, guys. Uh, this is George. Not this guy again. Um, I'm just calling because, uh, you know, you guys keep talking about doing that Star Wars episode. Nope, and here we go. Uh, well... I haven't heard you do it yet. He's been calling us like twice a along. day
0: about this.
2: Always the uh, same you know, thing. Because you guys talk about it like the yep. end of every episode. Fame horn. And, uh, you know, ever since that, that Disney deal, everybody's forgot about oh. George. And, uh, well, you know, you could do me a solid if you mention me once well, or twice. What do twice. you think?
1: What should we do with it? Thanks. Delete it. Call me back Delete when you it.
2: can. You know the number. Bye. No! Okay. Uh, this is George Delete again. Delete it. Okay. No! Hi, Mike and Pete. No. For me so think you're not calling me back no. Hello, this is Jack no.
0: Damn it, Mike. I wanted to hear that one. Well, maybe he'll call back
2: hello it's it's George again. Damn it. Uh, anyway, I was hoping maybe I could get you to you know drum up some enthusiasm for uh, the original Star Wars trilogy for me uh, but I get the feeling
0: you guys are ignoring me. No. No.
1: In a world where the human race has nearly unlimited access to all forms of media... ...mankind faces its greatest enemy. I've come for vengeance! ...a looming threat. Can you look at that? What is that? ...a paralyzing choice. You have eight choices choose incorrectly, and I cannot be held responsible for your suffering. Is the next movie in my queue good? Or bad?
0: Hey, do you guys want to watch Geely?
1: A war that threatens our very existence. We have come to take over your world. And it will be fought over Cows. <laughs> One podcast dares to make sense of it all, so you don't have to. This is the Sacred Cows Podcast. And now, welcome your hosts.
0: What's up? It's Pete. Hi, it's Mike. Thanks, Thanks, Disembodied disembodied Voice voice Guy. guy. Hey, Disembodied Voice Guy, do you like Chevy Chase movies? I love
1: his winning off-screen personality, if that's what you're asking.
0: It isn't, but I'm not surprised.
1: <sighs>
2: so for today's episode, we're going to talk about the 1983 Chevy Chase vehicle National Lampoon's Vacation.
0: That's right. The the forebearer of the entire National Lampoon's Vacation series, it all started with this movie.
2: Now, uh, some of you may be aware that this is a little bit more timely than other episodes we've done because in fact there is a new movie coming out this year starring Ed Helms as the child character from this movie, uh, Rusty
0: and of course returning is Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold and his beautiful wife Beverly D'Angelo whose name escapes me right now. So we're going
2: to end up uh, seeing the further exploits of these family all grown up even though
0: you probably could have let it rest with Vegas Vacation but hey whatever
2: So before we get started, uh, we'd just like to tell you a little bit about ourselves. Uh, I'm Mike, and this is Pete, and we're here to talk to you about movies. These are the movies that you may have seen a hundred times because you have strange nostalgia
0: for them, or maybe not so strange. We're here to find that out. Well, with that, why don't we just start talking about it, National Lampoon's Vacation. National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, this was one of the movies, I guess you would say, kind of the frontrunner of the National Lampoon brand, which I believe started, well, first as a magazine, a satirical magazine publication at Harvard, uh, but uh, probably known more to audiences today as a, a, a body that churned out a bunch of comedy movies starting with 19, 1979's Animal House and then onward through the 80s. Uh, even into the early modern era of, say, Van Wilder and movies like that.
2: Geez, I can't. I didn't remember that Van Wilder was a, a National Lampoon's movie, but you're right, it's National Lampoon's Van Wilder. Yeah,
0: and I, I think that brand has also been tacked onto a few other, probably lesser known comedy films from the 2000s uh, decade there. But in the 80s, it was a pretty big name, and. All sorts of these movies were coming out, starring basically the, the first generation of SNL stars who were just cranking out comedy movies left and right during this decade.
2: Well, SNL and like your SCTV, those were the big two uh, groups that came into the movies.
0: Right, and quite a few of those actors appear in this film, and uh, since we have a penchant for reviewing films from the 80s, I'm sure we will be revisiting a lot of these actors in the future. Oh, Yes. Certainly will, but the uh, the main cast of this of this particular movie Chevy Chase, of course, uh, being a big SNL comedy actor, is the main star. He's
2: still Chevy Chase, and you're still not.
0: <laughs> That's true, uh, which you know some might say is a good thing. Beverly D'Angelo, another cast member. We have Anthony Michael Hall. There are a few... Basically, everybody in this movie is somebody. They weren't then, but they are now. Uh, Christine Brinkley, this is her first movie appearance. That's
2: Christy Brinkley, but yes.
0: Is it? Yes. Okay, well, there's that. See, she's already kind of fallen by the wayside for our generation, but... Uh, who else is in this? The, uh, the, the blonde woman from 30 Rock and Jane, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Jane Krakowski. Jane Krakowski as a teenager in this film. There's also a very young-looking Eugene Levy. Uh, Brian Doyle Murphy not looking like the old mustachioed walrus that he turned into. <laughs> uh, uh, John Candy, of course, uh, ubiqui- ubiquitous comedy actor of the 80s. Rest in peace indeed for like what 25 years or something like that. oh yes can't believe it's been so long other notable things about this movie it was written by john hughes and it was directed by harold Ramis. i mean two of the biggest names in movies in the 1980s uh most of the memorable films from the 80s you're you're talking about one of these two guys um besides that uh, national lampoon's vacation cost
2: a mere 15 million to make and made uh Sixty-one million at the box office and spawned a whole new family of sequels, including National Lampoon's European Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, uh, Vegas Vacation, uh, some spin-off movies in the Vacation series, and now the one that's coming out
0: on July 29th, uh, just called Vacation. It's just called Vacation, huh? So, yeah, yeah, huh. you know a lot of a lot of people uh maybe have experience directly with this movie. A lot of people probably have experience with the sequels right. I'm just thinking you know the big movie in my family was probably Christmas vacation, it was a holiday tradition. it wasn't until many years later uh probably when i was actually of age to see a movie like this that i actually saw it
2: well i mean this this kind of goes into a segue i mean uh yeah what are what is uh, uh your history i think we can kind of blend these whole uh things our history and the history because i think a lot of this is shared by people of our generation
0: yeah for sure plus this is how our brains work so yeah uh, what's your experience with this movie mike
2: well uh my experience is mostly i think i've seen it once on uh you know Comedy Central not particularly memorable uh, that time I saw it I don't think I was also ready for all the jokes in it but um my most biggest memory with this franchise is Christmas Vacation uh the one thing I know having seen most of these movies is that it feels like they're compartmentalized you don't have to have seen a previous vacation movie to get all the jokes in other ones in the series and so that's why christmas vacation is sort of like the family staple we always watched and this was like oh now i understand some of the references in christmas vacation right you know? there's
0: really not much of a of a running narrative in these movies i think uh, perhaps the first two are are somewhat uh together in in plot line but then after that it's just kind of like reboot each time
2: yeah, so Peter, what is uh, what is your experience with these movies?
0: Well, like you, I, and as I've already said, Christmas Vacation was a family tradition, you know, at the you know ripe old age of seven or whatever, my parents sat me down to watch Chevy Chase Curse Up a Storm and, you know, all that other inappropriate stuff. Granted, just like most things I watched when I was a kid, we were probably watching a videotaped uh, TV edit of the movie. But it wasn't until you know I went off to college and I left Comedy Central playing in my dorm room all day and night pretty much all the time that I got a lot of exposure to this movie because it would be played probably three times a week around the noon hour on that channel. And so from multiple uh, viewings or rather just having it played in the background, I, I uh, have quite a good handle on the plot and I, I remember it very well.
2: Well, it's it's really interesting that that uh, ended up being sort of the one that is played on Comedy Central all the time. I mean, obviously, it's the first in the series, so it, it gets people iconic. But it's also the one that probably had to have the most excised from it for a TV edit, as it's the only one in the entire series so far that has been out. Uh, that is rated R. Now, obviously, the new vacation movie that is coming
0: out this year will also be rated R. But but R is kind of the new PG-13. Yeah, exactly. You know, since time immemorial, people or especially m- uh, movie execs have been saying that PG-13 rating will get you more money because that way you can get teenagers in the seats. And that's probably true from a numbers standpoint, but it usually also means that they end up nerfing the humor to some uh, small degree.
2: Yeah. Especially for, uh, comedians who are usually known for more,
0: mm, not safer for work fair. That's right. <laughs> None of the SNL generation was particularly clean on the stage. So, right. So, um, some
2: other interesting things about this movie, Wally world is a obvious, uh, it's the place they're trying to get to. It's an obvious, uh, it's not Walmart. analog. Right.
0: For Disney World, Disney
2: World. Really, right. it's cuz they they couldn't use that the rights to that, you know, it wasn't a Disney produced movie. Disney would never give them the permission to it. Um, but since this movie was based on a short story by John Hughes about him as a kid going to Disney World on a vacation that went horribly wrong, obviously blown up to epic proportions for mm-hmm. this movie. Um, They had to have something, so they made up Wally World and the Wally World characters, the Wally World song, um, all of that thing.
0: Interesting that this is based on John Hughes' experiences, because as I was watching this movie, uh, my family was avid road trippers as a kid, and I have to say that a lot of this really rang true. Now, obviously, we never had such misadventures as this, but the experience of driving across the country, I thought there was a lot of truth to the uh, scenarios that we saw in this movie.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll get into a little bit more of that when we get into the spoiler section. The other thing that uh, was a distinct creation for this movie um, was the vehicle that they used in this movie. The hideous pea Green car. Right. I mean, it's a station wagon with eight headlights, for yeah. God's sakes. It's got all the woodwork. Right. You know, it's just ridiculous. So, um, I mean, if you want to look at it, uh, there's a little bit of a, a history of a, on the internet, but it's... Uh, You know, a a car that's basically a heavily modified uh, 1979 Ford LTD Country Squire wagon that has just become, you know, the icon for this series of Mm -hmm. movies, effectively.
0: To the nth degree, this is one of the gigantic gas-guzzling cars of yesteryear.
2: And they actually had uh, 12 of them made for the movie because of all the ridiculous stunts that if you haven't watched it, uh, you'll see why they needed that many. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just... Crazy! I don't know how else to to describe it. It's like nothing you have ever or will
0: ever see again.
2: Uh, Pete, did you want to talk a little bit about the music in the movie?
0: Well, yes. Uh, I happen to be a huge fan of the theme song of the movie, which I believe went on to be the theme song of the entire series, except Christmas Vacation, the wonderful Lindsay Buckingham Holiday Road song. Now, Lindsey Buckingham, uh, in case you didn't know, one of the members of Fleetwood Mac later went on to... Uh, write a number of movie songs and actually uh interesting fact turned down the job of writing the ghostbusters theme song because he didn't want to be known as a movie soundtrack artist i'm sure he passed up several million dollars making that decision but uh But uh, this is a fantastic song in his catalog. Uh, Give it a listen. You'll probably hit repeat a few times, I think.
2: So, Pete, do you want to talk about your recent viewing experience with this movie before we get into the spoiler section?
0: Yeah, sure. Like, due to uh, extenuating circumstances, I actually watched this movie right before we recorded this. Uh, But that's not uh, such a bad thing because now it's really fresh in my mind. You know what? It was fresh in my mind anyway. College wasn't that long ago, but I really didn't have any surprises while I was watching this movie. I pretty much remembered all the plot points and all that, so it was just kind of like, I don't know, it was just kind of like times had never really passed and I was just watching it again, you know, there on Comedy Central in my dorm room. What about you, Mike?
2: Well, uh, me not having watched it that many times, since it's not Christmas vacation, I had... Memories of some of the scenes, but I really was like, "Oh yeah, that's how that went. Oh, that's how that went." You know, uh, it wasn't so crisp in my mind. I don't know. it 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 was a, it was a good watching. I was surprised to find out, like when I was looking uh, at my DVD player, it's like. Mono soundtrack? You know, like, uh, okay, this really is an old movie. And I'm supposing... I know there was, you know, stereo sound and stuff uh, in 1983, but I'm guessing, well, it's a comedy. They don't need to waste all the money on a stereo mix and everything like that, so...
0: uh, Right, no deep orchestral hits or anything like that you know it was just a comedy movie people talking
2: right so uh so yeah but otherwise i mean the my my viewing experience was was pretty good uh, how about any baggage that you bring in that might uh color your judgment
0: other than the fact that this isn't christmas vacation which is the one i have the most experience with nothing really you know it's just part of the vacation series and so i watched it through that lens
2: Okay, well, the only baggage I brought in is, like, uh, it I was actually positive baggage, thinking, oh, well, this still must be a comedy classic if uh, if they're making a movie about it these days, you know, and sort of just continuing it in 2015.
0: Not to mention it has 95% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which means a lot of people think they remember it being good.
2: Right, yeah, especially if they haven't seen it recently, so we'll find out what we actually think. And now, on to the spoiler section. So now we're going to spoil the heck out of National Lampoon's Vacation. So if you haven't watched the movie, stop the podcast, go watch the movie.
0: Don't just rely on the Rotten Tomatoes rating. Actually go and watch the movie.
2: Right. And uh, we've said it before, but um, this one's a little bit more tough to get a hold on. Uh, You'll probably have to either rent it from Apple, Google, Amazon, wherever you want, or check your local library, or if you have a dusty old video store that has uh, DVDs or VHSs, if you still have those, you can probably find it there.
0: Right, but this movie is not currently on any of the streaming sources out there, so you will have to physically get a copy.
2: Uh, With that, let's go right into it. What is the basic plot of National Lampoon's Vacation?
0: I often ask myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wonder no more. The basic premise of this movie, and really all of the movies, is that Clark Griswold is an overworked uh, but very dedicated family man who just wants to make some time this summer to take a vacation with his family and they can all bond and they'll have a wonderful time. Now, the choice he makes, like many other families, is to take them to the big theme park on the coast via Road Trip, a 2,400-mile road trip, if I'm not mistaken, all the way to California and Wally World. Now, Clark Griswold is a bit of an accident-prone gentleman, so things aren't going to be smooth sailing.
2: And that's really it. That's the plot in a nutshell, uh, beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And so you get to see a bunch of different comedic situations that are leading up to their sort of set pieces um, on the different spots on their trip.
0: That's right. A a trip across America uh, just offers the ability to have so many different situational comedic moments, I suppose you could say, it being such a large and diverse land and like we said in the intro a road trip can often be a a kind of a a trying situation that offers a lot of opportunities for pratfalls and what have you so plenty of that in this movie
2: Uh, what i like is that from the very beginning even when you're at home with the griswolds you see the silly comedy in their lives it's not like oh our lives were perfect before we left uh you know on this they were just you know goofy from the very beginning Like I noticed right away that the uh, the mapping sequence where Clark is trying to use his computer, uh, notably an Apple II Mm -hmm. hooked to his TV, which all of you Uber nerds are like, um, actually an Mm -hmm. Apple II doesn't hook to a television. It had to hook to a monitor. A Commodore 64 could hook to your TV,
0: and it doesn't interface with whatever bizarre gaming console that was in a television. Really, yes. I, I took one look at those controllers and I said, "What is that? A root beer bottle?" Like, yeah, seriously? no, no,
2: it's an Intellivision. But I mean, from the very beginning, there you see the jokes, and, and in general, they just put a bunch of computer stuff around, and we're sort of like, uh,
0: yeah, the the '90s did not have a monopoly on Hollywood execs not understanding computer technology.
2: No, or 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 writers. But uh, I loved that they were sort of like he was trying to map out his stuff, and then the kids were playing pac-man mm-hmm. with it and trying to eat like his car eating his
0: little trail of, yeah. of dots and dashes so yeah that's true um and we we realized that these you know this clark griswold character must just be kind of a handful to live with to begin with due to his just being a bumbling idiot essentially many places in this movie uh his wife ellen Is that her name? His wife notes that he's known for the kind of tomfoolery that happens all throughout this movie, so it's not a big surprise that things are going so wrong. But like I said before, Clark Griswold, very enthusiastic about spending time with his family, and as I think many dads who are overly enthusiastic and and, uh, wanting their family to have a good time, he kind of uh, subconsciously sabotages the efforts just by trying too hard.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really, if you look at everything uh, sort of bad that happens to them on the trip, it's pretty much his fault, and the wife and children are on for the ride.
0: Yes, they, they bear the brunt of all of the mishaps that come their way.
2: With the notable exception of visiting the relatives.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Uh, one of the iconic uh, groups of people in any of the vacation movies would be the the Cousin Eddie family yes Uh, which uh, a lot like the lineup of the Griswold family is played by a rotating cast of characters that's notable in the National Lampoon vacation movies often the children are played by different actors of widely varying ages throughout the series and the gosh, I don't know what their names are, but the, the cousin Eddie family is no different. And the, the number of children in the family is always changing.
2: Uh, and that's sort of, that's sort of a, uh, you know, they're the rednecks of the family. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, living off the welfare check, uh, stereotype because, you know, this whole movie is like stereotypes. Essentially, essentially. Yeah.
0: But yeah, that's, uh, one of the, uh, one of the funny personalities of the film, uh, yeah, that stop off in Kansas to visit the family. But, uh, That's where the family actually picks up another passenger, the Aunt uh, Edna, I believe her name is, the most crotchety old woman in the entire world, so she becomes part of the ensemble at that point. At least for a while.
2: Yeah, let's just talk about some of our favorite scenes like we always do. Well, notable scenes, anyway. From the very beginning... Uh, I particularly enjoyed the uh, the car being destroyed while they were waiting to pick up their new station wagon.
0: Yeah, you really have to suspend your disbelief in a- any 80s comedy because really, uh, where do you take your car to trade it in where they are destroying it on the lot minutes later? Nowhere, but it it works with the comedy, so they're willing to just completely throw reality out the window. Yeah,
2: so e- Eugene Levy's car dealer was so slimy that they destroy the car right there, so he can't drive away. Yeah, with a it's different like
0: I'm sorry, I will bring you your car right back. They bring a two foot high car that's been completely smashed. I just love that.
2: With with that scene hitting me right away. I know you're very um, 80s focused with these kind of movies. And I noticed right away that it felt very 70s, especially Eugene Levy's character with the the leisure suits and uh, the, you know, the way that the hairstyles were. It was early 80s. It's not late 80s like like American Psycho. Nope. You know, you could clearly see that, uh, which, you know, that movie wasn't. You obviously know it was just a look back at the 80s. But some of the other movies we've looked at, you know.
0: Um, you know the '80s is there, and the late '80s, early '90s. Um, right. The the '80s had yet to come into its own. It was more like the '70s was still just dying. Right. Essentially. Exactly. You, you know, see some '80s hints, but the uh, but the '70s is is still present. Absolutely. But the hair is getting bigger. The clothes are getting more outlandish. It's uh, it's definitely still a period piece, I would say. Uh, but as I do often like to make fun of the 80s. I didn't feel like this movie was too terribly dated. I mean, I feel like the humor still works. Just the, I took a road trip this last summer, and really the, the road trip scene is kind of still the same. You're driving across the country. The dynamic is still there. So I think it still very much works. It's just the hair and the clothes that uh, that takes this film out of time, essentially.
2: Okay, well, tell us some more about uh, some some other notable scenes for you
0: well like uh let's look at where this movie all goes i mean after they leave chicago they uh accidentally wind up in the ghetto in st louis where you know basically uh they get their hubcaps stolen while they're still in the car because they drive in through the very wrong part of the of the neighborhood i guess you could say uh the cousin eddie scene is just fantastic because i mean like you said rednecks uh incest jokes abound and uh just you know general bumpkinry i don't know uh bad influences all around and then at the end cousin eddie hits him up for fifty two thousand dollars so they can keep the farm after aunt edna's uh, social security checks dry up
2: Ah, uh, he only ends up giving him 500
0: does I mean, he only end up giving yes. him 500 yes. <laughs> yes but he asks for fifty-two thousand. Right. right <laughs> it's just ridiculous uh you know great cameo i think by brian doyle murphy at camp cozy in south fork colorado the uh, the crappy campground with the the goose infested pool and that kind of thing the
2: the one scene that rather disturbed me uh was probably the uh the death of the
0: dog ah yes memorable because it's a brand of comedy you don't see very often any day or, uh, nowadays the uh, the whole animal cruelty angle right <laughs> not uh, as popular as it used to be
2: i imagine not uh i mean i get the dog was a real jerk and they like tried to play it off as like oh this dog mm. is a jerk just biting all the time and nobody's doing anything but i was
0: kind of impressed that all the actors were doing their own stunts with their legs being bitten by the dog now obviously i'm sure they had something under the under their pants but you know was pro-
2: yes they even prob- the kid Probably a well-trained, like, Schutzen dog and uh, bacon or something under the...
0: (laughs) Right, no doubt, no doubt. But yeah, the the state trooper that pulls him over on the motorcycle, just, you know, get out of the car, you son of a bitch, and that kind of thing, you know, just showing him the leash. Uh, I I like the reveal to Aunt Edna when he's like, oh, I got pulled over for speeding, for speeding, I tell you. And then the trooper comes to the window and he's like, here's the leash. I'm going to go back and look for the rest of the carcass. (laughs) It's that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. It's off color, but come on, let's laugh about Eh,
2: it. Yeah, I can't get past it. (laughs) The car crash when they're lost in the desert. The fact that their car could even drive at the end is is quite... um... That's quite some dispens- suspension of disbelief oh, yeah, for come me on. to get to
0: that. They pull out of the uh, auto body shop after being fleeced by the local you know, shysters who happen to also be the sheriff, and their wheels aren't even on all the way. I mean, they, they're wobbling around like crazy. It's just, I don't know. It's like, how can they continue going at this point?
2: Right. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Aunt Edna's death. Just like, uh, you know, this is a little bit like, I I know that somebody... Saw this movie, and i haven 't looked it up, but whoever did weekend at Bernie's come out after this, I believe it did and May I, have. i'm 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 thinking like they, they this is like hey, what if we take this 150 steps further. <laughs>
0: yeah, because seriously, how long was that old lady dead in the back seat? She they, she had been getting shoved around between the two kids for at least a few stops, you know? Yeah,
2: and, and why isn't she rigor mortis? I mean, by the time that uh, Clark actually ends up having to take her out of the car and flopped over the shoulder.
0: Well, Rusty does say that she's getting stiff, so... Uh, but <laughs> just little details you notice like that. But, jeez, the fact that they wrap her in a towel and put her on the roof, after which they leave her out in the sun on a lawn chair in phoenix for for her son who's out of town for the weekend it's like oh no that's not gonna end well
2: yeah these are horrible horrible people (laughs) they really are
0: because but hey they really want to get to knock off disney world so well yeah going
2: and of course there's the christy brinkley uh you know, a subplot that runs the mm. entire movie, where the typical
0: romance from afar that Clark Griswold gets into in each one of his movies, yeah, essentially.
2: Yeah, pretty much. But of course, why does why does uh, Christie Brinkley look
0: at schlubby Chevy Chase like? I mean, <laughs> just to advance the plot and to to give him an opportunity to act like a complete. And total idiot. And ass. And ass. But my goodness, the lines he comes up with are just absurd. He finally, after a game of cat and mouse all along the American freeway, he catches up with her in some seedy little motel bar, and he's going like, oh yeah, I own this motel. It's this and my airline that really keep me going. It's just like (laughs) he can't say anything more ridiculous than the last, but he always does. It's just ridiculous.
2: Yeah, and why would uh why would she not like uh why would she fall for that? I don't yeah. know.
0: Yeah. He's like, "Oh, this isn't my family. This is my brother's family. I take him with me on vacations." It's like My she, brother's family and my brother's ring.
2: The the only suspension of disbelief there is that she's like, "Okay, I really want this guy." So she's whatever like, he says I don't is care. fine, you know.
0: <laughs> or she knows he's going to implode by the end of the whole thing and she's not going to have to put up with it. But who knows? Hmm. Well, she doesn't uh, seem too put out when the whole thing doesn't pull off, so
2: that is true. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then
0: his uh, his eternally forgiving wife is more than willing to just put it all aside in the next breath, and and uh, then it's them in the pool after that. So,
2: yeah, <laughs> it kind of is funny. It's like, okay, so why uh, after hearing somebody scream cold at the top of their lungs and wake up the entire hotel? Then his wife just jumps in the pool and says the same thing and wakes mm-hmm. up the entire cold, hotel again. Cold.
0: Yeah, she's spontaneous.
2: Yeah, I guess. Maybe I,
0: she knows he's just such a doofus that he's never ever going to successfully have an affair, so eh, he's he's you don't have to worry about him.
2: Well he he that he is. He is such a doofus. <laughs> I, I uh I thought the uh, there was a lot of uh uh scenes in this movie that sort of paid tribute to or made fun of, or sort of both at the same time, um other movies. There was the uh, shower scene in the beginning of the movie uh, when yes. Ellen is in the shower, and then you hear the, the psycho music, and then mm-hmm. basically Clark comes in with a banana like he's going to stab her with it, but it's not. You know, he's not. Obviously, it's just goofing around. Right. is
0: he holding a video camera at that point, too?
2: No, you're thinking of European vacation.
0: Uh... Okay, maybe you're right, but yeah, that is part of the plot of European Vacation. So when I thought my mind saw a video camera. Yeah, anyway.
2: Uh it's... they do the same things over and over. And then of course there's the uh chariots of fire scene uh, when yes. when we're getting
0: to Wally World. They're running when, through the empty parking lot to Wally World, which they don't find the slightest bit strange.
2: Interesting fact. I mean, all they told the, all they did was have them run and they had a camera guy, a crew like running along with them. Um, for for this uh, particular uh, scene. And Anthony Michael Hall was actively trying to beat Chevy Chase on this little race they had. Ah,
0: gotcha. <laughs> so it was a race in earnest. Yes. But uh, that leads to uh, probably the, oh, I guess you'd call it the third act of the movie when they arrive at Wally World, only to find that it's closed for repairs for two weeks, which is why you should always call ahead, essentially. Clark's already had a big. Uh, outburst in the car when the family has suggested that just because the dog and Aunt Edna have died and the entire vacation has been a huge disaster that they want to turn around and go home when they're only 400 miles away from the place. He has his usual Clark Griswold uh, cursing out the entire family outburst, but now he's really had it.
2: Well, to start with, he punches Marty Moose in the nose, which is a pretty comedic little scene, and then they end up going to a (laughs) sports store where he picks up a firearm which we don't know isn't a real gun
0: but he does leave the price tag on it so while he's waving it in the uh security guard's faces it's got a price tag on it
2: right and then he ends up holding up the security guards uh the most notable of which is John
0: Candy ah yes rest in peace
2: yes so um you know John Candy's not really uh playing a john candy bigger than life character here in fact he's sort of just melting into that role of uh the unsure security guard
0: he's really not playing a very serious character i mean he's he's affecting a very ridiculous uh kind of an i don't know a nerdy uh simpleton type of a voice or something like that. right
2: it feels like um the milton character from office space except as a security guard that's
0: essentially what it is yeah
2: so somebody who's always pushed around and everything like that and how i don't know it's pretty pretty weird but it's a fun scene and you get to see basically the family having wally world to themselves and Lo and behold, it's really not under repairs, and and they were just closing it for whatever dumb reason.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, I think it was explained as, well, you know, they can't be repairing all the roller coasters at once, so, or all the rides. So, l- definitely, the, the one security guard fires up the whole park, essentially, and they just ride around and have the time that they were hoping to have. Interesting
2: side note about the filming of this is that um, they actually had to ride the, all the rides at Six Flags, which stood in for Wally World, um, around 12 times each. They don't know, but any of the looks of the actors and actresses being sick and stuff, a lot of that was legit after riding uh, the same coaster like 12 times in a row. Sure.
0: Well, and certainly all of the camera footage uh, on the roller coasters is very genuine. I was having a little bit of, well, I felt like I was having the thrill of the experience myself. Yeah, it was pretty good. So uh that- but of course there's the other security guard that we haven't talked much about who immediately called the police as soon as they were all on the rides. Well he
2: made they made him uh lay down
0: like a dog essentially. But as soon as that gun's not pointed at you, you're going to get up and call the police, which right. is exactly what he did. And we have a SWAT team, 70s looking SWAT team pull up along with the owner of Wally World, Mr. what? Roy Wally. Yes which uh, is a stand. essentially Walt Disney He's right got the mustache and everything
2: right yeah the stand uh, the name is sort of a uh, sort of a tribute to Walt's brother Roy okay and and uh Wally is because they couldn't say Disney yeah.
0: it's kind of a portmanteau of Walt, Walt Disney, Disney. Yep. Wally so mm-hmm. there you go the parallels are endless but uh they show up Obviously, the family of four is very quickly uh gotten under control, uh, labeled as terrorists, and then Mr. Wally shows up to survey what's going on
2: so this sort of this sort of sort of closes it all up. I mean, they have the usual like, you know, I guess we learned a lesson here. Mm-hmm. this is so, such an eighties movie trope.
0: Yeah, it's like it doesn't matter if, you know, it, I don't believe that the uh, the owner of the park would have the right to not press charges in this situation, especially nowadays post 9-11. You know, if somebody, yeah. if somebody holds up an entire, uh, you know, park, I suppose, with a firearm, they're going to Guantanamo or something.
2: Well, yeah, and of course, uh, the whole SWAT team is very... Uh, pre-militarization of the police, uh, yeah, right. but that's, you know, a different subject. But like even even um, when Ellen was like, you know, they were checking her for weapons and stuff like they were checking all of them for weapons, you know, that she could turn around and like, you know, give
0: the guy a slap in the face. Like right. Watch your hands. Mister. Yeah. She it's would like, be like on.
2: on the ground and <laughs> like wrestled in 2015. I well,
0: mean, like I said, the 80s, they didn't necessarily have to stick to realism,
2: well, I don't, you know, I don't even know if that would happen in the in the 80s, but... Uh,
0: Perhaps not. But in an 80s goofball comedy, absolutely.
2: Right, and, and that Clark can just kind of walk out and start talking to Mr. Wally. <laughs> yeah, right, Wally. he immediately
0: walks away from the wall and puts his arm around <laughs> Mr. Wally. It's like, ah, uh, he'd be dead.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of disbelief suspension in this entire movie. Right, and uh, of
0: course it just ends with the... Much like Christmas Vacation, it just ends with the 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 guy saying, oh, I'm not going to press any charges. And then it's like, hooray, celebration. Yeah, and <laughs> then the montage. The end, yep. yeah. More so roller coasters.
2: It it just ends, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some, some other... Uh, I thought that was a pretty weird ending, but I guess I haven't seen too many 80s comedies recently that did something different i mean i
0: i just feel like every 80s comedy ends with a swat team coming in
2: yeah well it seems like every national lampoon's one at yeah. least
0: blues brothers as well
2: uh they had the whole national guard they too. they had
0: the army come into but yeah I, so the SWAT guys were there too
2: uh blues brothers had a different ending yeah and i'm sure someday we'll equally talk about it. believable <laughs> but um yeah is there anything else you want to talk about in this main spoiler section or do we I mean, want to move on to the decision
0: you know i think we we went through the scenes and really this movie is just a sequence of scenes that set up a comedic situation it's 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 episodic. It's very, one thing leads to, it doesn't even necessarily lead to the next. It's just a a grouping of scenarios that they find themselves in, but...
2: You're right. It's not organized around any sort of central theme except, like, family. You know, family is the theme and everything that Clark is trying to do, for the most part, except the little Christy Brinkley dalliance, Mm -hmm. uh, is trying to get his family towards this mythical end goal of Wally
0: World. And I still think his family is more important than any Christine Brinkley... Yeah. So, But in any case, even the entire movie series of National Lampoon's Vacation movies is the same way. You don't have to have seen the first one, the one before it, in order to know what's going on with these. Each one is a standalone film, and that's kind of nice in its own way. All right, so let's get to the decision.
2: So now it's time for the final decision. Is our movie Sacred... Bovinus Sanctorum. Or do we put it out to pasture?
0: Bovinus Excommunicado.
2: Let's start with you, Pete.
0: All right. Well, um, I have a lot of history with this movie. Not as much as with other National Lampoon Vacation movies, but I've seen it plenty of times. Uh, So many times, in fact, that um, I never really had time for absence to make the heart grow fonder. I have the movie more or less memorized, at least situationally. I liked it. As I was watching it this time, just as much as I ever have, which is to say, it's a corny 80s comedy, and sometimes you're in the mood for those. I think when I was watching it today, I was in the mood for that, so I'm going to call this movie sacred. You just gotta look at it for what it is, you know? It is meant to be funny. You're not supposed to learn a huge life lesson, or find it profound in any way. You're supposed to laugh at the funny antics of an overenthusiastic family man and his kind of corny family. Uh, And in that respect, it is very good. It's very much in the vein of other period comedies, and I think it is perhaps, it holds up even better than a lot of those, and certainly a lot better than some of the ones in Chevy Chase's uh, other comedy repertoire. But like I was saying, this movie is sacred in my opinion.
2: Okay, well, I am going to dissent on that opinion and say that I... uh... Don't think that this movie is sacred. In fact, I think it's overrated. <laughs> I I thought there were some funny, funny jokes. Uh, don't get me wrong. I laughed at some of them. Um, some things, I don't know, it's just it, it's just the sensibilities of, of 2015. I mean, that's what we're looking at. Uh, some of the things were sort of, you know, uh, racist stereotypes, um, you know, making the black man who's a security guard, you know, like, beg like a dog and in uh yeah, that might have rubbed us both the wrong way. Yeah, that was in, in poor taste in 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 looking at 2015 sensibilities and it really should have been, you know, poor taste in general. The whole scene in the St. Louis ghetto, you mm-hmm. know. Y- yes, that could happen obviously, you know, there w- there's those problems and things like that. Maybe to me that's just uh, not as funny as it should be. Uh and there were some other things where I I didn't hate watching the movie, but I didn't get the kind of Ellie laughs that I expected with, like, a National Lampoon's movie or, like, a Mel Brooks comedy. Uh, so, comparing it to, like, Spaceballs, I mean, uh, I think it's a bit of a lesser movie, even though it is more realistic. The situations are more realistic. Okay, the scene where they all fall asleep and, and nobody's driving the car and the fact that the car didn't, like, crash immediately, that's a little bit less realistic. And I thought that was, you know, entertaining, but... Um, you know, some of the other things just, I don't know, rub me the wrong way.
0: You know, Mike, I'm going to agree with you. This movie, especially in light of that 95% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, is a bit overrated. I think that's a lot of people remembering it being funnier than it is, maybe after having seen it just a few times, maybe, you know, 20 years ago or something like that. But I really do think it holds up on, you know... This, you know, if you're watching it through a nostalgic lens, which maybe you weren't as much, or if you're just looking at it as a period piece from the early, early 80s, basically the end of the 70s... uh it's really pretty funny from a, even a modern perspective. You know, some of the jokes, like you said, they wouldn't fly with today's audience. And I could tell that that dog thing really rubbed you the wrong way. Oh, yes. The, I didn't even, <laughs> the, even mention the, the that The actual there. dog uh, yes. being killed after being dragged behind a station wagon. Yep, that happened. Uh, and nobody liked that, incidentally, I want to say. But when you look at the comedy itself, uh, it, it may not hold up as well as a modern movie, but it holds up a lot better than some things from that period. Hmm. Well, I I I
2: think we're going to end up uh just being on different sides of this. Uh honestly, the the, the Christy Brinkley thing too where like uh Ellen just forget gave him. Yeah. You know, for for that. I mean, like And why didn't they pay Brinkley the boob money
0: like they did uh, Ellen? Come uh, on. Come on. Seriously. Uh, what uh, yeah, whatever. That's <laughs> Okay, so that's one knock against the movie. <sighs> Okay, whatever it takes to get you on my side here. I wouldn't say I'm on your side. I'm just saying there was something bad about the movie.
2: Okay, well, yeah, you're entitled to your wrong opinion.
0: Um, <laughs> well, no, I think uh, I think this is a situation where we will have to let the listeners decide. So, uh, okay, well then, I think this is our first ever tie.
2: So. Whatever that means, we need to leave it to you and your feedback on whether this movie is sacred or not and break the tie. So give us your feedback on Twitter, on email, or heck, just throw it right in the iTunes review if that is what you desire. But now we're going to go on to Closing Thoughts.
0: So, uh, I really feel like there's actually a lot more to explore in the National Lampoon Vacation series. I mean, uh, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg for the, the four and soon to be five movie series.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've got European Vacation, Christmas Vacation. You've Probably got the spin off with hit. Uncle Eddie, which is Christmas Vacation 2.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. Must have been direct to video.
2: Uh, It was, yep. I remember stocking that back in my days as a
1: sales clerk.
0: Ah, how do you like that? Tear to my eye. (laughs) I think the thing that's going to get the nostalgia flowing the most is probably Christmas Vacation, since it is a part of a lot of family traditions.
2: One thing that we kind of touched on earlier was that these movies are sort of standalone. You don't really have to have watched any of the other... National Lampoon's Vacation movies to get what's going on in the other National Lampoon's Vacation movies. Right,
0: like this movie doesn't really inform the action of Christmas Vacation at all, other than gives you a little more background on the Cousin Eddie character, but you get plenty in each of the movies. I mean, they function stand-alone.
2: Right, and and Clark Griswold is still the same bumbling schlub in all of them.
0: Mm -hmm. You know as much as you need to about any of the characters within the confines of that movie.
2: Basically what we're saying is that uh, we're not going to go through and review the rest of the series in this particular case
0: but we might uh, come back to one or two of them
2: yeah as they're appropriate or if we've got nothing else to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) haha yeah Uh, but anyway um, well with that we're going to put National Lampoon's vacation to rest until the feedback episode
0: and with that Mike why don't you tell them where they can give us that feedback
2: well they can find us on Twitter with the Twitter handle at sacredcowspod that's at Sacred Cows Pod. You can also find us on our email address, which is Sacred Cows at Hero of dot com. Sacred Cows at sign Hero of the Web dot com. It's pretty easy when you remember it. And finally, uh we would like you to give us our iTunes reviews. Um, we need your five star reviews so you can help us find new listeners to share our herd with just give us those five star reviews feel free to tell us how bad we are how wrong we are and stuff in the review text itself but five stars the five stars right because uh you know we know how you feel on the inside Mm -hmm. that's right and that's it for today's show so
0: pete what do you think you want to do next uh, Star Wars? No, you know, actually, I don't want to give no. the guy the satisfaction. No, 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 no,
2: screw him. No, okay.
0: Well, but, we'll but tell you. I can't y- think of anything else, so maybe we should just go with that.
2: <sighs> I don't know. George just keeps calling. I know, but he'll stop if we do it. <sighs> That's like holding us hostage.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to be a hostage. I anymore. do
2: not negotiate
0: with terrorists. <laughs> well, well, we can uh, throw it up in the air, but for now, you know, it's, it's a worthy standby. I, think. Uh, I
2: guess. Well, maybe we'll do Star Wars. Okay. All right. Don't tell George. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. Check, 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 Checking check. Checking the mic. Checking the mic.
0: Giggity, 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 giggity. God. <laughs> All Ahoga. right. <laughs> oui, oui. Oui, oui, mon petite La
1: madame. Oh, mio.